Welcome back to another episode. On today's show, we talk to an absolute genius in identity. He's a former NFL guy, was an American Ninja Warrior, successful speaker, entrepreneur, best-selling author, and all those pieces. But I have copious amounts of notes from today about shifting my identity to create the results that I want. Some of the things that he shared, if you aren't willing to carry a torch for it, don't speak about it. Uh, how he went from six foster homes to the NFL to the American Ninja Word, a world changer, the true actual definition of identity. Uh, your true self is who you are when you're not thinking about who you are. The five stages to shift your identity and your results. How to identify with the efforts and not the outcomes. Anything that would stop you from creating proof is the problem in your life and business. Do you see your future self as a stranger and how to rectify that? Do you know your roots and fruits? Uh, one of my favorite quotes he said is, when your emotion gets high, intelligence gets low. Are you setting your right scale? Or are you borrowing from the worlds and setting yourself up to fail? And my favorite quote from the entire episode is you have to be at peace with the pieces. This one is a doozy. It is loaded with nuggets. It's loaded with reminders. And it is the perfect refresh that I needed to dive back into my practices, take a peek and make adjustments. So get your notebook, get your earballs open and enjoy the episode. So here's the intro. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George show. I am stoked today because we have the man, the myth, the legend. You could call him an NFL player. You could call him a ninja. You could call him an amazing father, an amazing Houston. He is the leader of the free man. He's a master of mindset. He's somebody that I admire, that I look up to. And I think we share about 150 mutual contacts of friends that are just men alone that look up to this man. So today I'm honored. I am humbled to be joined by my friend, Anthony. Anthony, welcome to the show. Hey, man, thank you. We're going to call it uh, The Mind of George and Anthony today because we're going to dig into I, both. I'll of take them. it. Yeah. We could just make it The Mind of Anthony. I'm good with that. We'll do I a don't takeover. Know. I don't know if you want to play in it, man. It's a, it's a zoo sometimes, dude. I don't know. <laughs> there are a lot of things <laughs> going other, in my brain. They never come out. The other day, I, I told my wife, I'm like, I would pay a lot of money to just be able to plug into your brain for like two hours with the USB to see how it processes. And then a couple hours later, she was doing something. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to rescind that offer. I feel like it's safer yeah, on no. the side. Yeah, there's stuff going on in other people's heads. Like people always ask, like, who do you want to meet? And I'm like, only person I ever want to meet in the future would be like me, future me, because I'm I'm the only brain I would understand. Everybody else wouldn't make sense. I'm like, I just want to meet future me and see if he can tell me what's going on. You know what? I uh, I feel really really seen right now and validated because I always tell people I named it the mind of George because you don't want to be in it. Just the parts that I choose mm -hmm. to share with you, it's a lot safer that yeah. way. I agree. Yeah, that's how my brain works too. 100%. There's some things like people, people in my world, like, you know, why don't you, you know, go to bat for these, these different things that I go, because the, the perspectives I have, people would take certain things in chunks, and they would assume I'm a completely different person if they just heard one weird thing that's like off the kilter of that. And to be honest, someone at one time, way a long time ago said, if you aren't willing to carry a torch for it, do not speak about it in this industry, because someone could take one thing, spin it up, and you'd be you'd be out. <laughs> so not that I have anything bad in my head, but you know, there's certain people that just don't have similar beliefs. And the unfortunate part is that a lot of individuals I find they think that an opposite belief is an active attack on their current belief. And it's never mm -hmm. the case. 
but so I just kind of like to rock in my own world, do my own thing. What I do talk about, I'm very well like read on it. I understand it. I, I care about it. And I will take a torch for it. That is an entire episode in its own. And I love that, like to absolute pieces. I have a quick question about it because I feel very similarly, but I also feel very much we live in a world where there's a lot of pressure, right? We get social media, we get everybody, everybody wants the beliefs. When you make the decision uh, to carry a torch for it, you do your research, you do your diligence, you make this concerted effort and conscious effort to carry it. How do you navigate the waters when you don't want to carry a torch for it? Because I feel like in the world that we live in, right? Like I get 30 DMs a week. Well, what do you feel about this? What do you feel about that? And I'm like, uh, you know, because like I have a lot of introspective opinions, like I think critically about a few things and I feel like I'm yeah. in the middle of a process and I can't articulate that out. But I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs, like a lot of the things I see is like, I try very hard not to jump on it, right? The current situation, the current conversation, unless I'm willing to carry a torch for it. But how do you navigate yeah. that kind of like socially in what you do? Ah, well, you know, people want to bait you into stuff. I, I if it's something I want to talk about, I'll start talking about it and I'll be open to the conversation, open to the back and forth. And I, I choose to maintain a level of, uh, we'll call it even keel energy. I don't get too spiked high or too low, but there are certain things people want to like pull me into, you know, especially being a black man in America, all the stuff that goes on. Uh, there's a lot of conversations that I'm, you know, baited into having like, Hey, wh what are your thoughts on this? And I'll express to him pretty clear. Like, Hey, I, I have, uh, my thing does that. I have certain thoughts. Um, I don't think that they're fully fleshed out and I don't think it would do your audience any justice to throw stuff out willy nilly. And so uh, if and when I, I have some more, uh, I guess, solidified thoughts, I'm happy to come back and share. So I just don't want people to pull me in. You know, it's, it's you really have the choice to determine what you come out with. And the worst, I guess, examples are politicians because they do it all day long. Like you ask them a question and they'll you know, it's a really important question. Another question I think we should be asking ourselves is and they take it somewhere else. And so. I don't do that. I address the question at hand, but I'm clear to them that like, I, I don't think it's the, the right time or the right, I guess, space for me to share that thing. And most people respect it and back away. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, this is really validating. It happened this morning actually. And I was like, oh God, like I'm stoked. I'm talking to Anthony about this because it's definitely something that's taken me a long time to learn a lot of lessons there. Cause I remember I used to just be like, well, this and this and this, and then I wasn't fully mm -hmm. baked yet. And, and owning that and being like, this is where I am authentically. It's not fully baked. I don't want to talk about it and share it. I feel like that speaks to the power of, of us and, and giving ourselves that spot for critical thinking. And so I love that. So before I go any deeper, because I absolutely love this, um, a lot of my audience should be familiar with you. I've posted about you before. I think it's great. But if you're not, get out from under the rock and get familiar. But can you give me kind of like the abridged story arc of like how you ended up here? Because you have quite an eclectic yeah. history, an eclectic career from injury to watching you on television, you know, American Ninja Warrior. But, you know, how did we get to today's Anthony Trucks? Ah, yeah. I mean, long journey, man, uh, almost four decades now. Uh, I, was, I was a kid that was given away into a really tough situation. A lot of us have, you know, tough childhoods. Um, I was in foster care, really, really heinous situation of like six different homes were pretty, pretty difficult. Uh, adopted by an all-white family, so never had this anchored sense of identity. Uh, of who I was, which is wrapped in that mindset stuff. Like I, I, a mindset is heavily woven into the work I do. The, the piece I would say I do is like identity and it ties to the childhood. So I had to figure out who's this black kid in an all white family, very poor growing up, not very loved in certain aspects, real mom doesn't care about me. And then I was adopted at 14 after, you know, 11 years in the system and started something new, wasn't very good at it, got real good at it. That thing was football. 
uh, opened up some doors, got a college scholarship to play football at the University of Oregon. It's a duck. I uh, had my son my sophomore year, met my biological dad my sophomore year, started my true sophomore year, which are all weird things that have happened in the same year. Uh, progressed past that window of time to, uh, you know, go off to play in the NFL, married my high school sweetheart who went to school with me, was the mother of my child. And uh, NFL stands for not for long. So you get in, you get hurt, you get out. So <laughs> my third year I came home, lost to the hell I was. It happens, bro. It's a weird world. Like most people go like, oh, how long is it an average NFL career? People go, oh, three years. They don't realize it's like three months. Because a lot of people sign, you know, the the year of, and they, they go from like 90-something to 53. You take into account all those people, 50% of them, their career was three months. So it's like, it's a really interesting thing when you look at it. Um, but yeah, it's not for long. And then I got done, came home, lost a sense of identity of who in the world I was. Was in a whirlwind, man. Had a couple more kids at my my wife, ended up getting divorced, um, you know, suicidal at one point business wasn't doing very well and it was a good window of like three years of just hectic crazy tornado and then i was living at one point like in a 500 square foot studio apartment uh, with my twins you know sitting next to sleeping next to me on a twin size bed so it was a really just dark place and climbed out of the hole man ended up finding a way to get past the point of feeling like trash and getting getting to a moment in time where unfortunately my mom passed away and i made some promises to her to fix my life and pass on some goodness to the world the way she did to me and I, I still didn't have that be enough to push me. It wasn't until I woke up one day and it was New Year's Day, January 2016. And uh, like I hated the guy looking back in the mirror. So I put like for the first time this this seed in my heart of like, you got to change some things. And so I started looking at myself and the identity of who I was, how I was thinking, how I was processing, how I was showing up as a father and, and a husband and a business owner. And it started this whole new tick up to to figuring out how to adjust these things to make these small shifts. And in doing so, man, remarried my ex-wife after three years. We're now ha happily remarried, have an amazing marriage. Business is going very well. I speak, I talk, I share in this concept of identity. And I'm a very present father. I'm in season of dad right now. I got these three kids and I want them to remember their childhood with their father while I still build this thing. And so it's, it's uh, man, it's, it's me living what I'm teaching people to create in their own lives. Wow. I love it. The part I didn't know is that you remarried your wife. That just made my heart. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. She, yeah, we, we, it's funny. We, in the yearbook for high school, we are the cutest couple. They call it the Hollywood couple. And I'm actually the homecoming king from high school. So it's a couple weird, like perfect American story <laughs> stuff, you know, but no, it was, it was a, it's cool. It was a, it was a long journey, but now we have this thing that's ridiculously strong, man. We just, there's a settled base of like stability in that because we went through crazy. I think you kind of got to go through the crazy parts and, and understand who you are in those, who they are in those. And then it helps solidify the base to where like you can do whatever you want. We can do anything in life. I feel incredibly free to do what I want, but I also know like there's certain things I got to do for the marriage a lot, but it's never draining. It's all stuff I enjoy and it, it makes my life amazing, man. Yeah, I want to I want to ask a couple questions or just one about this identity thing, because you, you share like you looked in the mirror and you didn't like the man looking back at you. And, and I had a very yeah. similar happenstance after I attempted to take my life and I burnt everything to the ground. But I, I lived in what I would call purgatory for like two years because I would look in the mirror and I wasn't happy, but I didn't even know what mm -hmm. to change. So I'd go try to do things right. Like oh. I'll go to this thing. I'll go to this thing. And I always ended up back. And so can you explain yeah. what you mean by like identity and, and kind of break that down? Because I know we skim over it, but it, everyone's like, mm -hmm. well, you're so successful. And I was like, well, yeah, but like there was a three year, you know, level five hurricane that took place that yeah. I felt completely lost and kind of ambiguous. I didn't even know what direction it felt frozen in my body. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted something different, 
but I didn't know what to do. So I just kept trying a ton of things and getting back there. So can you explain what you mean by like identity? Yeah. So I call it the fog, man. It's like you get up, you go through the motions, but you're not going anywhere. You just feel like you're stumbling around this space, like that movie, The Mist, you know? Um, Identity is interesting because I would, I would look at my life then, my life now, and it felt just as instinctual, we'll call it energy wise, to live in that life as it is now. And so if you mm-hmm. think about when I get up and do my thing, it's, it almost feels like I'm in flow and I can talk and I can speak and do my thing. Back then felt the same, kind of almost the same emotional expenditure. However, I'm at a higher level in life. And so we go, what's the separation? What's the difference? And I go, well, identity in my definition is who you are when you're not thinking about who you are. Now, when you're thinking of like when you're, you're just who you are, it's actions, it's habits, it's your judgments, it's, it's what you, it's just the natural flow of how you're being in life. And when you're doing that at a low level, the outcomes are trash, right? You have bad relationships, you're doing bad things, you're drugging it up, sexing it up, partying it up. And it's, it's again, it's just your identity being the identity. And then when you operate at a higher level, it's just doing things at a higher level. I, I cut certain things out. Now that shift to go to that is difficult, but your identity is essentially in responsible for everything that you do and see and function and it's how you show up in life because the actions you take the habits you have which are core to who you are those create your outcome to the extent of in my life now it is probably harder not to do the things that i do that used to be hard right whether it's not lying in certain aspects or being of integrity or you know get up and get the workout in like reading the emails doing podcasts like creating from a stance of love like there's certain things where it was hard in the beginning. I got to work it every day. I got to write this every day. I got to read this every day. You know, it's like a chore Tour now. It's like, it feels so incongruent not to do it, that it's harder not to do it. So I do it and it's easy and it's a flow. So when people look at you and like you just said, man, how you're so successful. It's, it's at the core of you to do the actions that make you that way now, which is really based in an identity. You identify as this person. Therefore you stay in alignment with the actions that create this person, which also creates the life you're living. Yeah, pretty, pretty accurate way to sum up like four years of my life. And so for me, like going back in that fog, and, and I think about this often because um, it was a pretty, pretty challenging time when, when somebody's in that. And I feel like in entrepreneurship, fog is almost guaranteed. It, it comes yeah. in seasons, it comes in waves, the market changes, the business changes, the staff changes, your offer changes. How do you recommend people start to navigate that? Like when they're in that fog, like, are there things that you do? Are there questions that you ask? Are there practices that you have that can help create clarity about who it is that we want to become, not who we currently are? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so the good thing about what I do is I take it past concept and into tactical, like what's called the shift method. It's to make an identity shift in this manner. And the idea for me is like, okay, well, biggest problem people have is they're really good at doing like the middle stage of most process of mine is like the shift. I'll do the work. I'll do some work. And they end up doing the wrong work, you know, and, and we're in that fog. And at one point I heard this quote and I like it and it goes, uh, it's hard to see the label when you're inside of the jar. And, and the mentality there is like, there's a lot of things that I just am and I don't see that I am right. Therefore I keep doing the same things that create the same cycle of outcomes. So the first stage for me is like, you have to see, and it's not always going to be something you can look in a mirror and see. A lot of us can see the things we don't like, but we don't know what we should go do. And so having outside perspectives of people you respect that you may have been cutting off or you've been downplaying or you get mad because they say things that make your ego feel bad, you might touch base with them and go, hey, I'm, t- it's the, I'm in a place where I can listen now. I need to see who I am. And that grants you this perspective that you might not have had before 
that with it comes a selection of actions and habits and things you should be doing. They're not going to be fun. They're going to be really uncomfortable to think about. In fact, it's going to feel like, like, uh, like you're in an alien's body, like trying to like do these things. It just, it's not who I am to make this and write this. And look, I don't do those things. Yeah. Yeah. You don't do those things, which is why you don't have those things. But that first portion usually is stopping and pulling the ego back, accepting fault or accepting the, the shame and the guilt or whatever it is so you can give yourself permission to improve. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about about guilt and shame, too, because I, I think that was a big part of it for me. And a lot of what I hear is like I identified like who I want to become and who I am. And then I was yeah. slapped in the face with who I actually am. But like when That's I shame. when I hear you when I hear you speaking. There's like this candor and this like radical acceptance for self, right? And uh, mm -hmm. no fault, no blame, no guilt, no shame is an old PD term that yeah. we used to throw around all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy for me in like theory to talk about, right? But then when you get into that, like so S being C, you start to be able to be humbled by the feedback that you're receiving in the world, right? How do you, I don't even want to process or filter that, right? Because I feel like, mm -hmm. There's a lot of feedback that we get that isn't necessarily ours. It could be somebody else's and there's some that like sure. lands to the core. And like, how do you go about navigating that to being like, okay, that's real. That's not real. And then, okay, I, I understand that, but how do I remove myself from the guilt and the shame to take an action? Because I feel like that's why I got stuck for so long is I was in the self-fulfilling prophecy cycle of like, oh, collect evidence. Oh, not good enough. More evidence, more fault, more blame, more guilt, more shame. And then my actions would align to that. Yeah, yeah. Well, typically the thing is, is we have a space where we're suffering. And I always like the statement of action and suffering, right? When you are in the space of feeling guilty, feeling shame, you're suffering. And the only thing that ends it is an opposite action. And the problem is sometimes we will believe we're not worthy of because of the past we believe what you shouldn't do or or we believe that if we start doing somebody from the past will come forward and yank me back down with judgments and and so i i don't i don't want to climb that totem pole and what i i personally started doing was realizing all right well i know that there are certain things i'm going to have to do like when i was in my window of like i don't like this dude and had to start climbing back out there were a lot of people that weren't going to let me climb out you know a lot of people that had been wronged i guess or felt a certain way about me whatever it might be and I know that for me, the big thing was I needed to identify with the efforts, not the outcomes. Mm. The, the outcomes are the things that create guilt. The outcomes are, you know, the things that create greatness, right? But I just needed to be like, I'm the guy who makes the effort. That was it. Can I identify with the guy who makes the effort? Because if I'm trying to identify with the outcomes, I'm not going to have the outcomes when I first start trying and I'm going to get dis you know, discouraged. Or the outcome I do have, someone will say, you know, you're not good enough for that. And that's, that's. It's, it make you feel small. You'll tuck back away. But if I listen to people go, you're not good enough. That's cool. You know, and I just, I like to work. I like to get my head down, you know, focus on this area. You just keep doing it. And I think that identification with the efforts of the things is what kind of allowed me to put my head down, stay in the dark and do the right work. And it, eventually it turns into something because every identity you have or that somebody sees you to be was built off of proof. Like you just talked about proof over time. Your proof over time was this is who you were. And then when you start doing things after a while, you retrain people and yourself of who you now are from proof over time. So my thing is anything that will stop me creating the proof is the problem. That's it. Anything that will stop me from creating the proof for myself, that's the problem. So what if I get out of the way of trying to identify with, guys, I swear I'm different. I swear I'm better. Just 
do the work. Identify with the person that gives the effort. And little by little, it stacks and bricks get built. And all of a sudden, you look back and there's no definitive day or time that all of a sudden it switched. But you'll go like, you know what? I'm not that guy anymore. Definitively to your core because you have all this proof showing this is who I am now. Yeah, I, I, I love how simply stated and how powerful it is because it condenses a lot of stuff down for me. And so when you think about identifying the effort, right, how do you align yourself or recommend somebody aligns themselves with the effort? Right? You said this earlier, like yeah. I'm in the season of father. I want mm -hmm. my children to remember their childhood, to have these memories, right? And that's a season. And so do you identify with the top down? I got my family, I got my wife, got my kids. I put my efforts into there. And then yep. kind of what's left over, I prioritize. But like, how do you start to identify like what the efforts are? Yeah, well, I think the first thing is, is I have to identify for myself what the characteristics are. I want to be able to say that I am, right? What are the care? I am present. I am um, loving. I am communicative. I am happy. I am, you know, I'm honest, whatever these things may be, because those are the characteristics that will embody the identity I want to be later. And then what I do is I make sure that in real time, the things I am doing are going to allow me to later on say that that's who I am. Uh, a simple way to also do it is like, if you can't think of the characteristics, look at some people in the world that you admire. Who are people that you look up to, you admire what they do, and you go, that's a cool person, right? In that area. May not be all of them, but maybe in that area. And then what I like to do is say, okay, let's say I chose The Rock, right? And how he likes to take care of his body consistently. I'm just throwing something out there. Uh, the idea would be, as opposed to me, because it's going to be hard, let's put it that way, I'm laying this preface out there, the actions you're going to have to take are going to feel out of character, going to feel like I talked about an alien skin. But if you say, what would the best version of me do? What would the, you know, the highest level self do? We actually don't have a cognitive connection to that. It's very, there's studies done by UCLA that, that put diodes in the brain. And when they started asking people about people they loved and strangers, they had this connection where they could tell, person I love, love lights up person I don't know, stranger. When they asked about future self, stranger lit up. So people don't see future self. So when I go, What's my, what would my highest version do? I was like, okay, that's not going to work because I don't know that guy. However, if I ask, okay, it's, I don't know, six in the morning, my alarm clock went off and I'm supposed to get a workout. What would the rock do right now? Right? We know the characteristics of the human from what we've seen in that area. I don't know other stuff about his life, but that characteristic there, I go, he'd get up, He'd hit the weights, he'd, you know, he'd do his work, he wouldn't even question, okay, that's what you got to do. So it feels uncomfortable, but I know the right answer. And when I give the effort, I'm trying to align with the effort of that characteristic. And so I may not know it for myself, but if I know somebody else that has embodied it and displayed it, if I ask myself the question, what would that person do? I'll get the answer. That's the action that you take forth, and that's where you give your efforts. Yeah, I, I really, really love that. And do you ever, and, and I'm going to ask this because you said it earlier, I love the quote about reading the label from inside the pill bottle, right? And so mm. do you have like a practice or a ritual or do you do like environmental design? Like, do you design your space or your life or your ritual so mm -hmm. that future self is no longer a stranger, but you have almost like a tap in for the right, you know, neuron to fire that like, that's who I'm becoming? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a it's a longer shot of a question, but I, I, I can answer it in a way that'll make sense. Because what you're asking is actually a really good question, but it's like a longer, how do we build in? Because if you think about it, look at James Clear's book or any habits book, yeah, what yeah, you totally. can yeah. do, you become, right? That's the idea. Even that book on atomic habits is great about the habits. They don't talk too much about like crafting the identity, 
They say it leads yep. to an identity, but not what ones to choose for who you want to be. And so my big thing is, well, if I know the habit's got to be in place, what can I do to structure my world in a way to where I'm, I'm building the right ones for who I want to become? And so there's a, there's a couple layers here. One of the layers is saying, okay, great, of the areas of my life, and I, I look at like 10 areas, let's just take family and, and health and marriage, right? Those yep. things have certain parts of my identity that I express in certain ways. Who I am in my health is not who I am with my wife or with my kids. And so I got to figure out which those pieces are, right? What habits want to go in? And then what you just said, the second layer is, well, how do I make those get done like environmentally? Because here's what I know. A lot of people first have no idea how to plan. That's a problem. Then people can learn how to plan systematically. Basically, they plan. But the hard part has nothing to do with the planning. It has to do with acting on the plan. And that's where most people fall short. My calendar says I got to do these five things a day. And I hop into the day and I get two done and I feel like a horrible human. Nothing got progressed and I, I beat myself. I feel guilty, right? And the idea for me is, well, well why did that happen? Did you put the wrong things in? Was there too much time you were adding? Maybe you can't focus for five, but you can only focus for three hours. Inc. Magazine had a study that came out 2016 showed that people on an eight-hour day at average can only work for two hours and 53 minutes of focused work. So people stacking up their hours of like, you know, six, seven, eight hours, you're already putting yourself at, at a, a loss because there's no way you're going to focus that long. Just I don't even do it. I got at most on a given day six, and I can't do back-to-back -back days like that, but I'm aware of it. And so I can plan accordingly. And then what happens when it's time to sit down, bro, I got in front of me right now, I got egg timers. I was just using it today. I have my egg timer. I have my headphones with certain music that I choose to use. I got my tea when it's time to have my tea. And I use certain headphones to like cancel out the noise in my house so nothing else is going off. I put things on don't disturb. I actually choose the room that I'm doing specific work in. So here today I was creating curriculum. I film it here. I can create it here. I can't write my book here. I can't, mm -hmm. I can't plan for reels and, and content I want to create in this room. I got to go different places. And it, it makes my brain know what to do because the brain's a predictive tool. It wants to know what's coming, right? That's why when you go to work out, warming up tells the brain, oh, we're working out, let's, let's get the body warm. Let's put some fluid in the joints. You know, it tells the, the brain and the body what to do. So my brain, when I get to a space, it knows, oh, this is a workstation. This is going to be a work window. Let's go to work. And so I set these things up and my brain can tuck away. It takes like five to seven minutes to get into flow. But once you get into flow, man, if you do it right, you'll have created the environment to stay on task, to complete that thing. You pop up, you feel good, the project's done. Now it's a small brick of a habit I've built that if I spread it out over months and weeks and years, I become that guy now. It's the, um, I call it investment bias. It's, uh, it's this thing where us as humans, your person invests. When I invest, I want to return, man. I want, I want my money. I want the hot dog I paid for, whatever it is, I'm invested, I want this thing. In the world of work ethic, the return is pride, confidence, self-esteem, and identity. And so the idea is you're making these small breaks, not just for achievement, but for the over time transformation from the investment. I love that. And earlier when you said, um, what did you say? You said, oh, identify with the efforts and not the outcomes, right? It, it, it's fitting mm -hmm. into that bucket of like measuring the, the pride and the things like that. How do you measure almost like the result or knowing that where you're pouring your energy and you're doing that if if the prolonged period is about measuring with the effort do you measure your effort based on the clarity of your inputs you're like okay this is what i embody want to embody as a husband right it's presence yeah. it's clear communication it's time and then these are the efforts that i would make 
to embody that personality. How do you measure that? So knowing the outcome is going to be a result, but not really your identity. It's just going to be a measure of yeah. like how your efforts are doing. Like, how do you gauge that? Yeah, I got this thing called roots and fruits. Uh, it's kind of like this tree. Roots and fruits. <laughs> I love it. Dead serious. Yeah. So I, I, I realized like people have like that wheel kind of thing. And I was like, that doesn't seem like how life works. I find that life has a lot of storms and we're like these trees. And sometimes the winds blow and I get blown off, right? Because my roots aren't deep enough. But roots are faith, family, health, friends, and emotional control in heightened situations. If my roots are good, if my faith is good, my family is good, my friends are good, my health is good, and I can control my emotions, I got deep roots. I don't care what you throw at me. I'm stable, man. I'll be that, you know, the, the big oak tree in the middle of the tornado when all the houses are blown down. I'm stable. And also, if the roots are deep, it can get more nutrients from the earth. It can go below the rest of the trees, and so I can create great fruits. It's going to be education, career, finances, escape, and lift. Education, am I seeing and learning from the world? If there's chaos in my life and I have no roots, I can't learn from the moments in life. I don't gain wisdom. So I lose that, right? But if I can be aware, I can educate myself on life as it happens. My career, I mean, am I able to do something that produces a, a joyful experience of life? If I have poor roots, no family, no faith, no friends, the career, I'm out of whack at work and I can never really ascend or do anything great. I can't keep the business stable because I have no emotional control. I don't grow there. My finances, if I am stupid with money because I'm giving it to the wrong friends and wrong family or I'm out of shape and I'm buying the wrong things for my health, I'm going to go broke, right? And then escape. If I don't have roots, I can't allow myself to take vacations, take trips, or even go with people because I may not have friends. I may not have family. Then it's boring to go on a trip by myself. And the last thing is lift what I call purpose. If my roots aren't in place, I can't find my purpose. I'm too busy surviving. And so like that for me is how I gauge and I number everything from zero to 10. Zero is no depth or no fruits. 10 is super deep root and a lot of fruit in that branch. And I'll do this weekly to sit in and go, okay, how do I feel in connectivity to my, my marriage or my family or my health? And in each of these areas, you can actually go in. What we do is we say, what is one thing you can do in the next 30 days to increase it by a value of one? You don't have to go and say, how do I make this marriage a 10 today? That's not the thing. And maybe I look in and go, you know, my... My family area, like I'm, I'm slacking there. What's one thing I can do? I'm going to do a date night. Cool. It's one. It's going to increase it by a value of one. Maybe you build up to a trip. Maybe you build up to doing a renewal of vows. I don't know. That's a, a progressive thing. Or maybe it's health. Maybe you're like two, right? We can't think of what's going to make it a 10. You'll probably break your leg like because it's going to be too damn much physically. But maybe it's I'm going to go for a walk every other day for a half a mile. It's one. It's value of one is the goal. But you stack those and eventually you normalize to that's like that's who I am now. I, I always walk a half a mile every three days. Like if I don't, I feel awkward. And you progress up to doing like more and more and more. Now you're running Spartan races and doing different things and craziness. But for you, it's not because it was a progressive build. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, and the reason I'm saying like you even said this earlier and I, I don't want to breeze over. You, you said you look at it weekly, right? And I think one of the yeah. things that I've seen and one of the mistakes I've made, I mean, I've been doing this for like 20 plus years, but I'd say entrepreneurship for like 13 is that I used to have this mindset in the beginning is that once it started working, it was going to work forever, right? No, I wanted no, no, this no. illusion of safety, right? And <laughs> so I'm like, no, it's working. And then I would just go check out and like it would go until eventually it broke every single time. And when you talk yeah. about auditing it weekly and looking at it, it it's realigning and, and I'm, I'm just speaking for you, but I feel like it's realigning and a reminder of like getting outside of that pill bottle and asking like, is this aligned with who I want to become and what I want to embody and giving yourself mm -hmm. an actual measurable metric to gauge yeah. it and then making minute adjustments and then giving yourself also the space and the time to allow those efforts to create an outcome. Yeah, 100%. It's uh, a buddy of mine, Prince EA, says, if you don't track it, you can't crack it. 
And so yeah, like, I love him. I fucking love him so much. He's a beast, bro. And it's, it's awesome. It's true. So like for me, I have this planner. I built this thing and it has that in here. And so every week you just go through and mark it. But it's this, it's the top of mind. Because again, identity, who you are, we're not thinking about who you are. If you can feel the subconscious for certain things, it'll take the actions necessary in the moments. As opposed to a hindsight's twenty twenty, like, oh, I missed an opportunity. If you're constantly focusing on it, seeing it, it's one thing and it helps. And then like for me, man, I, I'm a human being that is very ADHD. I'm all over the place. Yet I have trained myself to have a rigid planner. And the purpose of a planner is not to create rigidity, but to create freedom. Because for me, I find that if I don't have structure and things getting done, I have no freedom in my free time mentally. I carry every single thing with me, every project's in my brain, what I'm not doing is in my, it's all over the place. And, I, and the thing is, there's no boxes getting ticked off. It's an overwhelming list that keeps going. And I go, no, I need to have this window of time to separate. And this also is like who I am. So in here is the date days, the dad days, the workout times, the work, like these things are in my planner. Therefore, when I do those things, that's not just me saying who I want to be, that's who I am with my actions. And it becomes more normalized and it becomes systematic for me. And then what happens is when I've done the right things, if it's like, like this last weekend, we just got done yesterday, had a whole track meet thing. And I don't think I even thought about work the whole time. I came home, hopped in the pool. I'm at peace. I do know today was a heavy day and I got a lot of stuff that had to get done. It's gotten done and I'm still moving through the day. Right. But, but what it allows me to do is when I break this window at two o'clock to get my workout, my mind's at peace, man. I'm making progress. All things are what they're supposed to be. No one is, is upset with me for not doing something, you know, myself included. And dude, I get to really enjoy my life. So I get to like go down the path and really smell the roses of the walk I'm taking of life. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, my biggest challenge today is I came in and I was like, in my business, there's no fire. So my internet went out, somebody stole my identity and opened a bank account yesterday and I finished all that. And I was like, wait. What do I have left? And I was like, oh, I get to create a podcast today. I get to work out. Then I get to go with family. And yeah, so um, yeah. what, when you said this earlier, when you were mentioning like the, the roots, the roots and the fruits, right? I fucking love that. That's so dope. The roots and the fruits. You also mentioned in passing, it's like when the storms are coming, like we know they're coming, right? And you're like, yeah. if I'm emotionally unavailable, if I, my mental space is getting taken up, I'm not going to create anything of fruition. Like how do you recommend or how did you build into a practice or or even how did you get to the point now where like you know the storms are coming right and you you deepen your roots but you, you have this stuff coming into where like you're so grounded and articulate with your emotions you're very unapologetically owning like who i am and how i show up but like what do you recommend putting into place because i feel like i i'm i'm still like i'm there but I know a lot of people that like, for example, like if two years ago I walked in this morning, I was like, oh, my identity was stolen. My wife lost her wallet. I'd be on tilt yeah. for like three weeks. And then yeah, everything, yeah, everything yeah. was gone. Mm -hmm. There's a couple so I'm of just like, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll shut up. Well, first is going to be the, the, the more you do something, the easier it gets. You get more accustomed to it, right? I, I think for me, football was this thing where it bathed me every day in discomfort. You know, there's, there's heightened tension of every moment, whether it's watching film or doing practice, lifting weights, we want, you know, it's all these things are part of it. So, so I get to the point now where I can sense when something's spiking and usually when emotion gets high intelligence, it's low. So I stop thinking and stop processing properly. It actually like it hijacks my, my cerebral cortex. That's what happens. You're, you know, everything, your hippocampus just, it can't work the way it's supposed to. And so now what happens is I get to the point of like, all right, freak out. So I now I'm aware of it. 
And those moments, I just stop and breathe and bring my heart rate back down because the heart rate is what excels and ele- you know, elevates it all. And, and then one of the big things I like to make sure I do is I am big on having the people around me that I need to. I need people around me that tell me what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. And I also have people that are like great to borrow joy from. So, so let's, why is this important? If things go crazy in my life and, and I have no base of stability to talk to somebody or ask somebody questions, I don't reach out and borrow joy. I stay in that spun up environment of energy. I need someone to give me a new perspective or, you know, help me think through something so I can calm myself back down if it's crazy going on. Also, a lot of the things that we do that we, we feel like we have to do, it's, it's for the appeasement of people whose judgment we don't really care about. We think we should. Like genuinely, whether it's like colleagues or friends, like I'm in a group of amazing minds and amazing dudes that are doing $30 million launches and ridiculous stuff. And when they're doing their thing, I can easily see how some people who aren't operating at that tick and go, man, I'm less than. And I go, I want to go get in the pool with my kids. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, don't, I don't care about the judgment of that perspective, not because I don't care about the person, but I also know who I choose to be and who I want to be. And it's not in that realm right now. So if the judgment comes out, I go, ah, cool, not worry about it. And what it really boils down to is this thing I'm going to share now. I believe we need to set our own scales. If you can set your own scale away from the world with your wife, your kids, or whatever that is, right? Then when you go into the world and you start sharing what you've completed, the world can't come and go, yeah, but you could have done this and rob your joy from you. Because there's a lot of things that I could easily be doing long-term into the back end of my day. But I probably every day give up a good four hours of work hours that I could. So 20 hours a week of things I could be doing, for, but I'd sacrifice what is important, which is my kids right now. And I'm not okay to do that. Therefore, I do bypass that. But that's my scale. And I feel good with that. Therefore, when you say, how do you feel so grounded in what you're doing? It's because I realized who I wanted to be, what matters and what's important to me in my life. And then I just show up accordingly. Because the thing is, if I was to stretch past that, not only am I going to get to a point where I'm, I'm you know, damaging the relationships outside of me because I'm sacrificing, I won't like me very much. I'll know that I am not okay with this. And I'll keep pushing it aside and pushing it aside. But that little voice will keep telling me, hey, you're doing too much. And I used to. I think it's why my family fell apart the first time. But now at this point in life, man, I, I'm big on what keeps me grounded and settled. And then when things go crazy, I do have people I can lean on. And then I also take a pause because whatever the problem is, I mean, it's different from like an identity theft type because that's like I got to fix it quick. But most things oh, I okay. ask myself, yeah, you got to do it now. But most things I ask myself, hey, if I don't, if I don't respond to this, I seriously ask, if I don't respond to this email for 24 hours, will that ruin or mess it up even worse? Nine times out of 10, no. So I go. All right, so I'm gonna do that tomorrow. <laughs> like I don't, I don't want to deal with this right now. And and I also have to let it go because if I go into the rest of my day and still carry that weight, it's pointless. But the truth is, if I've given it till tomorrow, I can't do anything about it right now. Why would I mess this podcast up for something that I, I can't fix in this moment? It's just stupid. So for me, I step back and go, I'll deal with it tomorrow. And the crazy thing, when I eventually get to it, it seems like the monster got smaller. I was like, oh, I was freaked out about it yesterday. Like, it's not even as big as it used to be. Oh, let's figure this out real quick. And you navigate and you're off to the next one. And then more and more of these things pop up and they become easier to handle. And then after a while, what used to freak you out just doesn't anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the emotional pirating. And, it, and it's interesting because like when you're saying this, what ended up happening on Saturday 
is I was just randomly in my inbox because I was out riding side by side to my son and he passed out in the side by side. My son is the only mm. five-year-old I know that we can be jumping and drifting a side by side and he'll fall asleep yeah. in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get in the car and he's napping and I don't wake up. So I'm checking my email and I get this notification from Square and it's like, hey, a new suspicious login. And then when I read it, I got another email that said, you just changed your email on file. And I was like, I did. And it yeah. was some spam email. And their customer services closed on the weekends. And so I actually had to do the same thing because I opened it, I reported it, couldn't do anything. And then if I let that run me like three years ago, I'd be on tilt. What can I do? Phone calls, boom, boom, boom. But I went back to family time. And of course I called this morning like, oh, we froze your account. We'll reach out in a couple of days. We'll get it handled. Our banking department will close the account. But I remember a time not so long ago where I would have done nothing. I would have thrown my food habits out the window. I would have been an emotional wreck. My wife would have been like, what's going on? I would have been like, nothing. And then I would have felt yeah. unsafe to her and the rest of my family. And so when you say this, it's, it's super, super validating and empowering. I do have a question mm-hmm. around you make your own scale. I will say this bluntly. I fucking love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Like three years ago in my business, my ethos for myself was my measuring stick was broken. And I was finding this massive amount of success, but I was also very unhappy because the finish line just kept moving because I didn't have clarity on like what I wanted it to be. And so can you break that down a little bit to help people kind of start to create or build their own scale? Because I feel like that is one of the most profound topics that needs so much credence and weight thrown behind it. Well, you usually start with your health, wealth, relationships. And you have to figure out what for you is good enough. My wife's dealing with this right now. My wife, I'll tell her, can we talk about it? But she's runs a $2 million a year business. She's making great money. She has more liquid that she knows what to do with this year of profit. Like there's a lot of headaches. And she's like, I don't even know why I do this. She's like, I don't, I don't need money. I don't do any of this stuff for money. I'm making, I'm making more than I know what to do with. I'm like, it's a great problem to have. But she's like, I'm just going to get rid of one of them. Or like maybe three of them. And she's okay with that. And I was like, yeah, cool. Do it. Like, cause the interesting thing is like, if she was to frame and gauge herself against, I don't know, Bezos, she'd be like, I am so far behind, woe is me, right? But then she goes, no, all I really do is I just hang with the kids and I run track and I take them to practices and we don't, we're not, you know, vices aren't in our family. We don't have many, like we don't have to have certain shoes and watches and cars, like we just do our thing. So with that, like, I don't need what everybody else is seeking. Uh, and, and because of that, I don't need to do what everybody else is doing. And it relieves so much stress from my life. I don't have to worry about posting the same way. Everybody feels like I got to make a million TikToks and reels and get that. I'm like, <laughs> for, for what, bro? Like, if you can help the people, you can help and you can reach them and it provides what you want for your life. You, you got what you need, you know? And, and so it alleviates me from that. So like, that's the, we'll call it the, the wealthish relationship. Like for me, I have a relationship where like, she doesn't need much, but like for me to be present when she needs me to be present. If she has an ask, I fulfill the ask. But when I'm off, like, like we'll call it dad duties or husband duties, I just, I'm in the office chilling and nobody bothers me <laughs> and nobody's stressed out. I do things that make me happy. She does things that makes her happy. And then we come together in a happy relationship. It's like, the relationship is good. I don't need to do whiz-bang crazy. Let's fly to Paris. Like, she would much rather sit here on the couch and watch a TV show than get in a plane to Paris right now, right? But that's for us. And that's good. And then health. I have a guy that I train or that trains me that I used to have as a, a trainer at my gym years ago. And I was like, you know what? I, I love working out. I don't like thinking about what to do in my workouts. I, it stresses me out. I just want to show up, pull my phone out, hit put the music on, put my headphones in, go to work. So I hired somebody for that. And now my health is, is amazing comparatively to what it was like five years ago. I did this NFL test recently and found out I'm in better shape than I was 
you know, five years ago. And the reality is when these things were all anchored, like that's my thing. Do I, could I be a bodybuilder and have 87 pack abs? Yeah, but that's not, that's not what I care about. It does nothing for me. As long as my wife thinks I look good naked, bro, I'm solid. And that's, yep. that's my base. And so when I set that scale, yes, the way the world shows you, look at this guy with the abs, look at this amazing marriage. They're out in, you know, T Tahiti on the beat. Cool. Look at this person in their flamboyant yacht and Ferraris. Cool. No part of that makes me feel less than because my scale doesn't have that on it. The only reason I would feel less than is if I've tried to borrow the world scale, like most people do, or if my scale entails that thing and I'm not doing the stuff to live up to it. And so the, the other thing, most questions you should have in this realm is like, well, what happens if it does include itself in your scale and you do feel bad? Well, then level up, damn it. Like we want me to tell you, I don't lower the scale based on what level of energy I want to give. That's not how it works. I kick that scale up when it's time and go, I'm going to work my tail off to become the person that has that. But when I get that, I don't have to kick it up immediately. I could be okay creating from where I create and still making progress and, and kind of moving. But if you're a person that's like, man, my scale involves that. That's where I want to have that Ferrari. I want to have a nice car. But I'm all for it. Good. But realize you're going to have to get in your horse and ride. It's not going to feel comfortable. But once you do catch up to it, and you have met that thing, don't get so addicted to the struggle. You try to get back into uncomfortable struggle. Enjoy the journey you're on. Like I, I tell people, the destination is not the destination. The destination is a journey. I get up every day and live a life I absolutely enjoy doing and living every single day. And that's what I wanted to arrive at. Because then everything's good because you always spend vastly more time at the climb than you do at the peak. Yeah. Yeah, you just did an Instagram post on this the other day too, and I really, really loved it. Um, I think like, I, I, I kind of want to just summarize for a minute because this is incredibly powerful and something that I had to learn, but creating your own scale. And then I think the biggest thing that I just heard you say that I, I kind of want to unpack a little bit is not constantly moving the finish line or just because you up level the moment you meet it, you have to do it again. Like there's this integration period, there's this enjoyment yeah. period, there's this mm -hmm. not becoming codependent on the work that you do, but actually creating a life to where you can enjoy the results and then integrate that yeah. into what you do. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I, the reason I say this is like, I, I love what you put out. I watch all your content. I read your book last year. I think it's incredible. And when I think about this, like you have this mastery of like mindset of what feels like your barometer of just like hitting the reset to reality of like where you yeah. really, really am. And mm -hmm. one of the only ways I know how to ask this question is through the lens of like mistakes. And mm -hmm. so like in thinking that, like what are like the top like two to three mistakes or, or any of them that you see that yeah. people are constantly making on a daily basis that if we even bring awareness to them can almost be like their borrow clarity from us, borrow joy from us, like pause for a moment yeah. to make sure that we're responding and not reacting because it, I don't even know how to word it because I just love how you are, but how you yeah. are is like mastered of this. And so yeah, what man, can people start to look for to practice that? That's a good question. I don't know if I've ever been asked that question. My brain's going to be trying to figure out how to answer it. So I'm just going to go to the gut, which is where I talk for many ways. Uh, I think one of them is to be very mindful of relationships and what they all need from you because no success is worthwhile if the relationships around you get damaged because then you have mm. no one to share the cake with and it's too much cake for you to eat. You'll get sick. So the <laughs> idea is like, who, who do I have and what do they need from me? Right. My telling people, my wife is the puzzle I chose to solve. Right. For some 
relationships, there's different needs, there's different things, right? So whatever you tell me for your, hey, this is what you got to do in your marriage, it's probably not going to work for me. It's just a different marriage likely. So I, I just realize who I need to be for her and when. That's one part of it. And the same with the kids. Uh, I think another part of it when I, when I look at it is, for me in my world, I, 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 it's weird. I don't care what people think of me, but I care what people think of me. In the sense of, like, in my world, I, every human being has to have this perspective of, I want people to like me. It's just it's a natural thing. We all have that. It's okay to accept that. I just got clear on the, the kind of people I want to like me. And so if I'm clear on the kind of people who share maybe the same values, the same perspectives, like, those are people that I want to like me. The rest, I could care less about. Like, I'd, I don't wish you any harm. I just don't feel like spending time in your headspace. So I don't argue with you. I don't have conversation with you. And it gives me a vast different amount of peace because like, I don't have to go to a certain tick. I don't have to apologize for certain things that were said and done. I, I could do me, man. And I don't got to feel bad about anybody else and their judgments if they don't align with the person I respect. This is a big piece of it. And then I also realized like, if somebody told, told me this thing. They said, if I was to lock you in a room for 30 days, you didn't have to eat. You didn't have to sleep. You didn't have to go to the bathroom. You could just work. Said so you, you'd end up walking out of that room with more to do than you went in. Because us as humans, man, every time we do something, our brain opens up to more and to more and to more. So it never ends. And so I learned you have to be at peace with the pieces. What I mean by that is like every project I take on, everything I do, it's segmented down to hourly pieces to infuse into my life. Whether it's working on this curriculum I'm doing right now, quiz type stuff we got to build for marketing, um, writing a book, spending time with the wife, work, whatever it is. Every one of these things, it's, it's, a, it's a piece of a bigger whole. And the problem with most people is they start this project and because it's not done, they are not at peace. They could have got an hour of the 15 done, but then it's not done. So that it's, it's in their head and they're stressing out and like they carry seven of these different projects and their heart's always racing. It's like, you're not even at peace, man. You're not even solid in who you are because you're, you're, there's always these things floating. So for me, I take these things, I take like movies, I take them out of my head, I lay them on paper, I spread them out, I infuse them over the next weeks, sometimes months, and then I just live my life. I, I do that piece for the day. And when I'm done with that piece for the day, I'm at peace with the pieces. And I can enjoy my day and do my, no, one's, no one rattles me, I'm not all over the place because although it's not completed, it wasn't supposed to be today. I've completed what I'm supposed to do. And that gives me a sense of like stability and self and in progress. So every day I end the day, not with this sense of like, oh, I got so much to do. Hey, Aunt, hey, you did a damn good job getting your plan done today, bro. Keep it going. And then I go to the next day, the next day, and it just stacks. And when you have those stacks of positive perspective, you're unshakable. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I mean, like there's a podcast in every answer you've given by itself. And I, I absolutely love that. Um, that's been a, a similar thing for me as well, because I was the guy and I lost my wife as well. We just weren't married yet, but moved out, changed phone number, never speak to me again. And here we are, the beautiful family living in Montana. And it took me about three years to get it back and to do it all. But it was, it was that thing where like the to-do list is never ending, right? No matter yeah. what, that more, 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 more. Uh, but I was wrapping my identity up that I was only valuable or good if I did all the more, not the fact that mm -hmm. I picked and chose and where I gave my effort and, and gave myself an actual barometer to celebrate my wins and to integrate them in. And so you saying this, I love the simplicity and the clarity in which you speak from your gut because it's so powerful. And it like 
it's really edifying and it's a nice like, oh, this is why George is having Anthony on the podcast today. Thanks for the reminder. It's like, I'm sweating yeah. over here listening to you. And I was like, oh yeah, cool. Yep. Going to take a peek at that. Going to go measure my roots and fruits a little bit again. Going to make sure that I'm aligned before this next Bro, season. I, I, I love it, man. I love it. So uh, we got to land this plane because I want to respect your time and your workout. And I have to go get mine sure. as well because my workout time is in three minutes. And so yeah, we're yeah. going to get there. Um, there's one question that I want to ask you, and I'm actually really excited to hear this answer because mm -hmm. you speak with such clarity and like the love and, and just the compassion in your voice from your own experience. I love it. And so I like to pose this, that if we just men in blacked everybody right now and they forgot everything that they heard in this episode or they just tuned in for this one moment, and you yeah. had the opportunity to tattoo wisdom on their soul for them to take away from now and forever, what would your tattoo wisdom be? Man, this is a new one. No one's really, this hasn't gone out fully to the, to the audience of the world, but this is what it would be. It'd be called dark work. Just be a dark work. There's, I mean, there's moments in time you can attest to it. I know back when I was a kid, you know, the ideas we talked about, what you do consistently creates who you are, the, the investment, mm -hmm. right? That the creates that bias of return. And all the things that we do in life, we're always, we're always trying to get to that level of feeling like that. Like I deserve that money, deserve that crown. Because when you do, you'll, you'll battle for it. You'll, you'll do whatever you got to get that. And it won't, won't escape you. But I've realized that every story of high-level athletes, every story of you know, high-level CEOs, executives, all these people, there are moments when they were away from the world behind closed doors and they were working. It was uncelebrated. It was unsexy. It was sometimes unsupported by a lot of people. Yet it got done at a level that most people can't fathom. And that is why these people shine in the light. It's for two reasons. One, because in that dark work, they developed a skill set that allows them to do whatever they do and make this money or impact. But what they also did, they developed the identity to feel confident deploying that skill set when it's time. And, and that is what, like, the next level, what I, I do in the work I do is realizing, like, there's a, a pull for us all to be on social media, post everything, document it all. And I go, if I'm thinking about setting a tripod up with that two hours and 53 minutes I have, and I'm tripod and reels. I'm only giving myself an hour for mastery of my thing. I can't, I can't go later on and emerge with all the base. And then a lot of people go, I don't feel confident, you know, sharing my thing. It's hard for me to sell. And, you know, have you ever known an athlete that spent the last off season going hard in the weight room, practicing on the playbook that was scared to put on the field of the court? No, they're like, I can't wait to get out there. You have no idea what's about to be unleashed on you. Like that mentality comes from dark work. And when, when people look back on their lives and realize that every great moment they had shining in the light was because of what they did in the dark. I'm going to, I'm going to mic drop that one. That is a good, good summary and I'll take it. I'll take it. So for everybody listening, uh, I recommend that you consume Anthony everywhere, but I'm going to, before I ask Anthony where he would be best to connect with you. I'm going to highly recommend you grab a copy of his book, Identity Shift. I got an early copy last year and I got to read it and it was incredible and it's so powerful. And in thinking about just this episode, number one, thank you uh, for the reminders and being one of those men in the world that I can look at whose opinion I respect and admire and I can take some fresh reminders to, to gauge my roots, fruits and, and measures and efforts today. Uh, but where do you recommend or where's the best place for people to connect with you? Yeah, man. Fast place to just go to Instagram at Anthony Trucks. There's a you know, link tree there if you want to find out the work I do. But I always find that, that people are like, go hit this link and grab this. Like, if you like to become hang out, if you like what I talk about, you'll eventually find your way to the link. Right. So I'm going to do my job. Yeah. You just do yours. Come show up.
Yeah, I love it, man. And uh, I have a good feeling I'm going to get a lot of DMs about this episode. So I'm going to open it now while I'm recording you. You game for round two in like six months and everybody wants to unpack yeah, the rest yeah. of this. Yeah, yeah, there's a whole lot. Yeah, that, by that time, yeah, by that time, Dark Wolf will be out. There'll be a whole other conversation. It's, all, it's a summarization of everything I've already talked about. It's just in a cleaner space that lends a little more, a little more lightness and a power to go dark and create something great. I love it, man. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have Anthony back to teach you how to navigate the darkness and fall in love with it because that's where the work matters yeah. and gets done. Mm -hmm. So my friend, it was an absolute honor. It was a pleasure. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for saying yes, for being here. Yeah. I appreciate the man that you are and the work that you do and the difference that you make. And so thank you. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Of course. So for everybody listening, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to leave you with this, uh, stop at this point right now, go back to the very beginning and listen again. And then listen again and then listen again, because don't listen to hear it. Listen until you know it, because this thing was absolutely loaded with nuggets. I mean, I'm over here with like tweetables. I love my favorite one is you have to be at peace with the pieces. I will give full credit TM that thing because that thing is incredible. And that's going to be a daily reminder for me. So for everybody listening, make sure you go check out Anthony, grab a copy of identity shift, go slide into his DMS. You have my permission, but do it, you know, in a, in a good way, check out his content, consume it and we'll have them back. But either way, this has been another episode of the Mind of George Show. So remember that relationships will always be algorithms. You'll either see me in the next episode or you'll hear me in your earballs. But either way, it's time to cue the outro. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mind of George Show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.